Shabbat Shalom. You enjoying the weathers? <laughs> Only in Michigan, right? All right. Um, do you remember the funny uh, TV commercials for Staples office supplies with the easy button? Remember, you, you press it, and whatever the problem is, it's solved, or you press it, and the price goes down. Imagine if you could press a button and get a financial do-over, like restarting your computer, only it actually does fix the problem. <laughs> this Shabbat's reading, Leviticus 25, is entitled Bahar, translated on the mountain. In it, we find the commandment to have a rest every seventh year. The pattern is six to one, six days of labor and then one day of rest. And here, six years of labor and one year of rest. The sabbatical year wasn't only for native-born Israelis, uh, but also for sojourners, for servants, even for animals. God commanded that when we entered Eretz Canaan, the promised land, even the land itself was to enjoy sabbatical years. We were not to sow our fields or prune our vines or trees in the seventh year. Instead, we would simply eat what grew on its own for our food that year. And God promised to provide sufficiently in that year of rest. If we would trust him, we would have plenty. So let me ask you a question. If you knew that you would be financially provided for, wouldn't you love to have a sabbatical year? What would you do with a whole year to rest and pursue your personal interests? I know what Rabbi Lauren would do. He would single-handedly create a new botanical garden in West Bloomfield. Yeah. Me? I'd probably travel to the southwest United States and hike through the national parks and a Route 66 trip in a convertible. Now, God promised that he would provide abundantly if Israel would keep that command. And if Israel had kept the commandment to have a sabbatical year, he would have abundantly provided. Unfortunately, we didn't. And listen to how the writer of Second Chronicles described the Babylonian invasion and the destruction of Jerusalem and the exile. He wrote, then they burned down the house of God and broke down the wall of Jerusalem and burned all its fortified buildings with fire. And those who had escaped from the sword Nebuchadnezzar carried away to Babylon to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days of its desolation, it kept Sabbath until 70 years were complete. 70 sabbatical years Israel neglected to honor. That's 490 years of defiance. How tragic. Next, God commanded that at the end of every seventh sabbatical years, at the end of 49 years, 
on, Yom, on the Yom Kippur of the new year, the 50th year, we were to declare a release throughout the land. It was called Shanat Yovel, the Jubilee year, and was to be heralded with the blowing of the shofar. It was to be a divinely authorized reset. Anyone who had previously forfeited their ancestral property due to financial hardship could now return to their land. And only the direst circumstances would ever have caused a man to part with his ancestral property. But on the Jubilee year, all debts were to be canceled. There's a beautiful lesson here about economic renewal in the Jubilee year, if we would just take it to heart. On an individual level, the forgiveness of debts and a fresh start can transform a person's life. On a societal level, the periodic elimination of debts can clear the way for tremendous economic growth. But beyond this, the 50th year uh, release uh, forgiveness of debts was a magnificent portrait of God's gracious dealings with us, with mankind. Yet again, sadly, the scriptures nowhere record Israel having observed any jubilee year. We're reminded in this parasha that parcels of land in Israel were never to be sold permanently. At the Jubilee, the land was always to revert to its original family. Houses within walled cities could be sold permanently, but not lands or fields or homes that were in unwalled villages. And the principle here is that the land belongs to Adonai. And he had deeded it according to his will. And we had no business contravening his decree. But beyond the particulars of the sabbatical and jubilee years as prescribed in Leviticus 25, there's a lovely portrait here of rest and redemption, of the forgiveness of debts and fresh starts, do-overs. And brothers and sisters, it's a foretaste of the greater rest and redemption accomplished by Messiah Yeshua for our sake. It is because of his sinless life, his atoning death, and his victorious resurrection from the dead, that we now stand forgiven. A fresh start. Knowing that should motivate us to be gracious and forgiving of others. As Yeshua said, he who is forgiven much loves much. Adonai has forgiven our sins, our rebellion, and our unbelief. In Yeshua, we enter that greater rest, that Sabbath rest promised to the faithful throughout the ages. This is what the author of the letter to the Messianic Jews had in mind, writing, since therefore it remains for some to enter God's rest, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. He again fixes a certain day, called today, saying through David, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And then he said, there remains therefore a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone 
fall through following the same example of disobedience. And so our prayer, my prayer for us, may the living God enable us to be merciful in our dealings, to walk in gratitude, and to enter into his rest. Amen.